Welcome back to the Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. It is spring in Utah. It was a beautiful weekend, but unfortunately for me, I ended up spending it in class for two days. Now, if you're thinking of heading over to Greece and you want to rent a scooter to ride around the islands, you're going to discover what I discovered last summer. It used to be you'd get off your boat, you'd find a little scooter shop right next to the port, you'd go up, and you'd rent a scooter. And that's still the way it is some places. But what I found last summer was if I didn't have a motorcycle license or a motorcycle endorsement on my license, they weren't going to let me rent a scooter. Now, I got around it last year just by going from scooter place to scooter place to scooter place till I finally found somebody that would rent me a motorcycle without, uh, or a motor scooter, really, without my motorcycle driver's license. But I decided uh, I may as well just go ahead and get a motorcycle endorsement on my license and eliminate that problem. So last weekend, I spent (laughs) all day Saturday and Sunday from 8 in the morning until about 7 o'clock at night getting my motorcycle license. In Utah, you have to do, well, you don't have to, but the fastest way to get the license is to actually take a class. And that's the class I took, put on by the local community college. It was a good class. Uh, In the morning, we basically went over rules and regulations and safety, mostly safety issues in riding a motorcycle. And then in the afternoon, literally for about five or six hours each day, we were doing exercises with the actual motorcycle. Now, I was riding a Honda 300cc motorcycle which is a medium-sized motorcycle in the United States. And and then at the end of the two days, at the end of su- Sunday, in the evening on Sunday, they actually gave us the riding examination, and uh, I passed that, as did most of the other people in the class as well. A couple people had to take some of the test over again, but most of us, with their training, and the training was very good, uh, passed that. Then today, I went down to the driver's license division and had to take the written examination and then pass that. And now I'm waiting for my new license, which will show the motorcycle endorsement. So in Utah, I have a endorsement up to 649 cc's. And if I want to get the next level up, which would be any motorcycle, I have to go take the test on a larger motorcycle, which I'm probably going to do later on. Not because I plan on riding a larger motorcycle, but just because I want to have the option. When I was in Southeast Asia, the entire country, the entire region seems to be dominated by, uh, I think there were Honda 125cc scooters, and I came back wanting to buy one of those because they were so useful, so reliable, but I couldn't find them in the States. They don't sell them in the United States. They want us to buy more expensive motorcycles or motor scooters. But anyway, I have that, so I'm ready to go back and I won't have a problem in renting scooters anymore. It's funny, when I was a teenager, when I went back to college, I think I was 19 years old, I rode a motorcycle, a Yamaha 175 Enduro motorcycle from South Bend, Indiana to Logan, Utah. I think that's about 1,600 miles. And it took me about four days to do it, and it (laughs) It pretty much killed most of my desire to ride a motorcycle. I was so tired and so sick of motorcycles by the end of that trip that 
I really didn't have much of a desire. But back then, I didn't have to have a motorcycle license. You just go buy your motorcycle, get on it, go ride it. If you survive, I guess that's uh, that's the survival of the fittest. Not anymore. Not anymore. Bureaucracy keeps climbing and climbing and progressing along and taking away more and more of your freedoms as you go along. All right. So before I get on to the episode today, and the episode's going to be about sailing in Albania, I'll do my quick advertisement. If you want to learn to sail, let me tell you, the first place to start out is to learn the basics of the terminology and the basic maneuvers of a sailboat. Uh, before you get on a boat, I'd, I'd recommend you go get a book on sailing and learn the parts of a boat, learn the terminology, learn what a tack is, what a jibe is, learn what an outhaul is, what a halyard is, learn all the terminology on a boat, learn some of the safety procedures on a boat, learn what the required equipment on a boat is by the Coast Guard. You can do that in a book, or if you want to buy my audio course, the first audio book that I put together, which you would want to study, would be Sailing Learn to Sail Lessons for the ASA 101, the Basic Keelboat Certification. Now, that's going to help you pass the written portion of the ASA 101 exam, but it won't help you learn how to sail. You've got to get on the water to actually learn how to sail. But when you get on a boat, if you know the terminology, you're a lot farther ahead than I was the first time I went out and got on a boat. I'd actually read books ahead of time, but I hadn't memorized the terminology, and I didn't really understand what it meant. I learned quickly enough, and you will as well. But do yourself a favor. If you want to learn to sail, do a little study ahead of time. And that's one way to do it. The audio course, I think, is, uh, I think it's five or six hours in length. It's been a while since I put it together. But it's $29.99 at the website. If you go to the website, medsailor.com, and click on the study material, it'll take you to a website called Gumroad, and you can purchase it through Gumroad. Alternatively, I think you can find it in iTunes and in Amazon as well. But if you have a choice, buy it through Gumroad. I get more of the money that way. With that out of the way, I'm going to be talking about Albania today. Now, it seems to be a logical progression. We've talked about Croatia, and last week was Montenegro. And I really hadn't planned on covering Albania because it's really not a place that you can go and charter sailboats. But I got an email from Melindy. She said, Franz recently discovered your podcast and love to hear about people sailing in the med. There seems to be a lot of people sharing their stories about the Caribbean, but not so much about the Med. So thank you for keeping us entertained and informed. I liked your recent podcast covering Croatia and Montenegro. Our boat is based in Corfu. We are based in London, and we are interested in sailing north via Albania and Montenegro. And I'm just starting my research, and there is obviously not a huge amount of info on Albania. But I believe the country is opening up for tourism and sailors to a lesser extent. Would you consider sharing your experiences in Albania with us? We are not restricted by a strict timetable, as we are spending a few months in Greece over the summer. Thank you for your help, and I will continue to listen to your podcast. I need to do some catching up on older episodes. Well, now you've got 97 or 98 older episodes to catch up on. So, Melindy, I wrote you back and I said, well, it sounds like a good excuse to do a podcast since I don't like to type long emails. I am by no means an expert on Albania, but I'm more of an expert than <laughs> most of the people out there that haven't sailed in Albania. 
When I first started sailing in the Mediterranean, I would read my insurance policy, and it excluded Albania explicitly. In fact, I think in one insurance policy, it stated I had to stay, stay so many miles off the coast of Albania. And when you're in northern Greece, that's impossible because Albania is just, you know, and I shouldn't say northern Greece. When you're in Corfu, Greece, the northern part of Corfu, Greece, on the northern part of the island, you can see Sarandi, Albania. You can see Albania right there. And I'm sure that I was in violation of my insurance policy because I wasn't X number of miles away from Albania at that point in time. But I think if, they, if you're within the territorial waters of another country, it didn't count. But uh, times have changed. Uh, when I sailed from Brindisi, when I sailed over to Brindisi to go up to Croatia, Albania was still excluded on my insurance policy. And then when I decided after I'd been up in Croatia for uh, three years, I decided it was time to sail back down to Greece. And I looked at my insurance policy and Albania was not excluded anymore. And there had been a few sailors that had sailed to Albania. So I did as much research as I could and then just uh, sailed there. Now, the thing about Albania is it's really not a great place for sailing. And, and I didn't spend as much time there as I would have liked. And it's primarily because we had so many mechanical issues with my boat in Montenegro. In other words, my water pumps went out, both of them, both the freshwater and the saltwater water pumps went out. And it took us a lot longer to get out of Montenegro than would planned. We ended up spending about uh, at least a week extra in Montenegro. So my crew that had joined me in Croatia had already made their flights out of Corfu to fly home. And I was having another crew join me in, in uh, Corfu. So when we got to Albania, we were sort of um, under the gun to get down the coast and uh, get to Corfu. So we did it in a, f a few fairly big hops. And so I don't have a lot of experiences in Albania, but I'll tell you what I do know about it. We were coming from north to south. You would probably be going from south to north. So just reverse what I tell you. We left from Ulsenje in Montenegro and did a long day passage. We left early in the morning as soon as the sun was up. We did a long day passage and, and cleared into Albania in a town called Dures or Duris, D-U-R-R-I-E-S. Now, you've only got a few choices of clearing into Albania. There was one a little farther to the north that we could have cleared in, but I read in the pilot about it, and it wasn't particularly appealing to me. The name of that port is Shenjin, S-H-E-N-G-J-I-N. And it's only about 10 miles south from Montenegro. It's a small fishing port. There's some shoals off the headland. And you may or may not have places to tie up. Now, I don't, I, I didn't visit Shenzhen, so I won't talk any further about it. But that's a possibility. But the pilot didn't make it sound like a place I wanted to visit, so I didn't. I went on down to Duris or Duris. I'm not exactly sure how that's pronounced. Now. When we approached Duris, we had to start quite a ways out to sea. I didn't have detailed charts of the Albanian coast at the time. So we were hanging quite a ways offshore, but there were some aids to navigation showing a chipping channel 
to get into the port. Now, as we went around the shipping channel, we called the port authority and let them know we were coming in. And when we got into the port, they directed us where to tie up. And this is a commercial port. This is not a yacht harbor by any stretch of the imagination. We were right in front of a big commercial freighter. I think it was a dry bulk freighter. And it was dirty. And we had big rubber bumpers right, uh, right next to our boat. We would have basically been a bumper for the ships in this port. Once we got there, we had to wait for a shipping agent come to the boat. So the port, the port authority arranged for a shipping agent to show up at our boat. We handed him our shipping papers. He took our shipping papers and some money. And I think he took euros at the time. We had to get some other money later on. In fact, I think euros were accepted at, by every shipping agent that we ended up using. So it doesn't matter whether you're a 150,000-ton boat or a yacht. You still have to pretend you're a big ship, and the clearance in and out of these ports are the same as if you were a ship. And you have to pay shipping agents for every port you arrive at. You have to clear into every port, and you have to clear out of every port. So for that reason, we didn't really dilly-dally gunk-holing along the coast of Albania because... Well, you really can't. Duress, to get from our boat up to the quay, we had to climb about a, about a six-foot concrete wall. And it was pretty difficult getting on and off the boat. But once our shipping agent came back, we had to go through and get our, our passport stamped, and then we were free to go. Now, it's not recommended that you leave your boat unattended, but we were in a a secure shipping port, we left the boat and we went and wandered through town and you really feel like you're out there. You don't see any other tourists. You're pretty, at least we were by ourselves. There were no other yachts in the marina or in the harbor, in the commercial harbor when we were there. Uh, Duress was somewhat interesting. There's some old Greek ruins that we went and visited. And I may try to find some of my photographs and post them on the website. There was a interesting, well, it looked like the, on the waterfront they had tried to develop it for tourism, but got about halfway there and then it quit. There was, it was a huge structure that was being built right on the coast, and it would look like sort of a bird's nest, like um, maybe some of the structures that were built for the Chinese Olympics. It they, It looked like they sort of framed this in and then quit, but it was a massive structure that is just sitting there. I thought it was pretty interesting that they never finished it and there was no new construction going on right now. I didn't find much in the city to make me ever want to go back and visit it again. So the next day we had to clear out. And of course, when we cleared out, it takes time to clear out as well. So we got a, a fairly late start. And our next port was a long hop down the coast to Vlori or Viore, V-I-O-R-E. Now, we didn't go to the town of Viori. We went to a marina called Orikium, O-R-I-K-U-M, which I think is owned by uh, some Italians. But this is really the only yacht marina in the entire country. And it's way down at the bottom of the bay, quite a ways away from Vlore. If I said Viori before, I meant Vlore, V-L-O-R-E. One thing you have to watch out for is, is the charts will show prohibited areas for you to sail in, and you need to make sure that you don't go sailing in those areas. 
And the main reason is there's still some old mines that have never been um, taken out. So when you do get your charts, make sure you pay attention and don't sail in areas that are prohibited for sailing. It's, it's probably for your safety as much as anything else. Now at Oricum, we got in there fairly late in the afternoon. I mean, we probably got in, uh, it was still light when we arrived, but the sun was falling fairly quickly. I think we arrived around 7.30 or 8 at night, and the shipping agent had already left for the day, and uh, the marina manager basically took care of our clearing in procedure, and in the morning when we cleared out, uh, we had to use the shipping agent to clear out. But while we were at Orkium, we needed to make a phone call, and we didn't have any cell coverage in Albania, so we walked a little south of the marina, just took a long walk. We'd been on the boat all day long, and we wanted to get off and go for a walk. And so we walked down to a little town to the south of the marina. It was probably about a two-mile walk. And while we were walking down, uh, it was dusk as we were walking down. We went by a gypsy camp, full-on gypsy camp with tents and trailers and everything you imagine from a gypsy camp from way back when. We didn't get to know anybody in the gypsy camp, but we thought it was kind of interesting. We went to this town, and we were able to find a phone and make the phone calls we needed to make a phone. But that was really about all that we could find in this town. There was a little grocery store with marginal provisions, but not very much in the way of provisioning. So a heads up, if you do plan on sailing in Albania, make sure you stock up on food before you head in. You may be able to pick up a few fresh vegetables here and there. But we didn't find much variety or much availability near the places we stopped. Even in Duress, we didn't find really any grocery stores. There were restaurants, but we didn't really see any grocery stores that we could stock up groceries with. So from Oricum, we got up early in the morning, finally cleared out, and then we made a long hop down to Saranda. Now in Saranda, there, you have to, again, use a shipping agent to clear in. But we tied up to a dock right in Sarandine, and the port agent will let you know where to tie up. And the shipping agent came down and took our papers. And we left the boat unattended in Saranda and wandered around the town. And it's the only place I've ever been where on the promenade we saw a bear on a leash walking down the promenade. Now, we had gotten down in, in pretty good time, so we had a day or two to kill before we needed to get over to Corfu. So at Saranda, we rented a car and drove down to a historical site called Butrint and wandered around this historical site. Along the way, if you, if you go down this, I don't know if it's still there, but when we drove down, we went by two big buildings that had been under construction where the concrete had been formed for, I think we were, they were probably four story buildings, concrete skeletons. They were uh, you know, large commercial-looking buildings. So it was pillar and slab construction, pillar and deck, pillar and deck, pillar and deck. And both of them, one on one side of the road and another on the other side of the road, had had a couple pillars knocked out, and both buildings had collapsed like dominoes. And we came to find out, apparently, that the developer that had developed these buildings hadn't paid off the right people, and somebody went up there with a big bulldozer and knocked off the pillars, 
and collapse the buildings. And, of course, it's going to have to be completely demolished, removed, and hauled away before anything can be built there again. At Boutrent, the car would rent. It had a flat tire. And I don't know if you've ever done this. We were parked in the dirt. And I told my friend, I said, let's just move up to the pavement before we put the jack underneath it. And he said, no, no, we can do it right here. And I said, well, okay. So we jacked it up, and lo and behold, we got the wheel off, jacked it up, and then (laughs) then the whole car fell over on the jack. And now we couldn't get it up. We enlisted enough people to help us lift up the car and move it over to the to the road and another person had another jack in their car and with enough with enough help from other people we were able to change the tire uh, one of the individuals that helped us with it was an airline pilot and he made sure I got his card very friendly also at Sarandi we drove out to some artesian waters a, a beautiful area i guess it was probably about a half an hour away from Sarandi it was we went to the tourist the little bit of tourist uh, information that we could find and said we want we should go visit this so we drove out there and went swimming in this crystal clear fresh water artesian water with deep pools and it was bitter cold you jumped in and you didn't want to stay in the water very long and at Saranda there were a few other boats that had sailed over from Greece that had cleared in as well so we had a little company there was an American oil worker on his boat and there were a couple other people on their boats. And there was a tour boat that went back and forth between Corfu and Albania that operated out of the port. But that's really about the extent of my information that I can pass on about Albania. It's not ready for primetime sailing. There is a website called sail-albania.com or sail-albania.com which will give you pretty much the same information I'm giving you here, but I'm going to read from the website, and I'll put a link to the website in the show notes. Europeans are allowed a stay of three months out of six in Albania. If you stay longer, a heavy fine is imposed. If boats stay longer than six months, they're going to tax your boat 20 20 or 21% of the value of the boat in a VAT tax. So I don't see anything that would make me keep my boat in Albania for more than six months. I didn't see any facilities that would let me overwinter my boat anywhere in Albania. And I don't think I would want to. When you clear in, I'm going to read this, for, for transit, foreign flag boats, one clearance is valid for seven days once inside Albania. Name it to your agent to avoid paying for a new one. He may want money for this service, although that's what it says. I'm reading word for word on that. And it goes on to say, Many places among the best known are Vlor, Humari, and even Oricum host private agents without proper licenses. Be sure to pay after receipt of clearance document, not a copy, and return of original papers. It's got a little information, and apparently there is one boat in Albania that you can charter. And that's at the website, but it doesn't really give any information about it. It's called Sailing Yacht Diva Ilaria, and it's out of Vlor. So, Melindy, I hope that helps you. If you do end up sailing in Albania, would you give me a call or write me an email and let me interview you for the podcast? I'd like to get your input of what it was like sailing in Albania. Now, you'd be going from south to north, so your first port of call is going to be Sarandi. 
and that's probably the easiest one to clear in at. But you'll be working your way north and against the prevailing winds in the summer unless you leave early in the year. So anyway, hope that helps. That's going to finish up this week's podcast. I have an interview with John Fulweiler scheduled this week. We're going to be talking about registration and documentation on boats and what you might want to consider when you buy your boat, how you might want to register it, where you might want to register it. So I'm going to be interviewing him later this week, and I've got a couple other interviews scheduled as well. If you have ideas or topics you'd like me to cover in the podcast, drop me a note, franz at medsailor.com. And one more thing, if you like this podcast, will you go into the iTunes directory and and give it uh, a review and possibly write a quick note about the podcast? I've got 41 reviews so far, and I think about 21 actual written comments. Or actually, take it back. I think there's about 28 actual written comments. I really like those written comments. So if you do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. Get out there and go sailing. Thanks for listening.